What's going on, T-Code Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got Kevin, Stevie P coming at you. What's going on, Steve? What's going on, Kev? What's going on, world? All right, Steve, do you want to make the uh, your announcement? <laughs> sure. All right, guys. So for the next coming, I don't know. <laughs> but Dan uh, will actually not be part of the podcast for the next coming months um due to you know all the situation with covid and his job um you know right now he has to focus on his his main source of income uh and you know take care of that and his family so you know we wish dan the best over the next couple of months uh and hopefully we have you know he he's on with the feeling that fantasy football is probably not going to happen this year so he needs to to focus on on the you know what he needs to focus on so we wish Dan the best, and we hope that uh, everything goes well. And we also hope that fantasy football is played this season, because if it is, then Dan will be back. But for right now, we are Dan's going to uh, take care of what he needs to take care of. Yeah, and he's still part of the business, you know, uh, the Cheat Code Sports brand. You know, he has not backed off of that. He's still with us. Uh, but, you know, right now, he's just devoting his time to his, you know, to his family and his job and you know, the podcast, you know, Steve and I are here to hold you guys down and get you guys ready for your fantasy seasons and, you know, keep you guys successful. Yes, sir. Uh, so today's podcast, we are going to get into uh, handcuffs. We're going to rank like maybe the top five handcuffs uh, out there. Uh, talk about a little bit about some of the better why. um wide receiver friendship strategies that are, that could be out there. Of course, we'll get into some news and then we'll answer some of your questions. So action packed podcast. Um, but, but first, we, before we get into that, let's remind you to check out the website, www.cheatcodesports.com. That's www.cheatcodesports.com. Uh, we have rankings up there. We have articles that are done weekly. We have the cheat codes, which is a great visual breakdown of all teams' offenses from last year. It gives you uh, player usage percentages, run-pass ratios, different things like that. It's a great tool to use uh, when looking at you know your drafts and get ready for your drafts. Um, we have the player profile uh, PDF packet that we are giving you guys for free because of, you know, the COVID situation and everything going on. You know, we want you guys to, you know, be able to look at this and not have to worry about spending your money to do it. So, you know, I just got done doing the Eagles today. Great. It's a, you know, great look, you know, it tells you basically, you know, player comparison. We grade out each player uh, based on their, uh, based on their tape and what we've seen, uh, we give you like a little player bio, what we think their usage will be for this upcoming season and grade their, you know, we also grade their film. So, you know, it, it's a great tool. Another great tool that we give you. The website is really full of good stuff and good information. And you guys got to just check it out, you know, and like I said before, give us some feedback uh, and let us know how you feel about it. All right, so let's get into the news. Uh, let's start off with the most recent thing that is that we've heard. You know, it came down kind of on a, on Wednesday night here. Damian Williams from the Kansas City Chiefs has opted out for the 2020 season. Uh, we obviously have been promoting Damian Williams as the guy in Kansas City, uh, despite the addition of CEH, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We've been, you know, kind of rolling with the fact that we think Damian Williams was going to be the, you know, still the, the, 
you know, the main ball carrier there. Um, this is, I believe, his last year in Kansas City. I think he's a free agent next next season. So this is a bold bold move by him. It could definitely affect his money. So, you know, ultimately, I, I will say, like him opting out is uh, is a strong, you know, a, a strong move to make because you know he's obviously putting family and and, and his health first. Uh, but and let me just say this: I don't blame anybody for opting out. Anybody that's that's choosing to opt out and not play, I do not blame you one. Blame them one bit. I'm not going to call them, uh, 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 you know, soft. I'm not going to act like they're scared. You know, honestly, I would question whether I would want to play if I was an NFL player. If I've made four or five million dollars, um, you know, over my career, I'm probably not playing either. If I got money in the bank and I'm kind of set and feel like I can take a year off. You know, why am I going to put myself in jeopardy? Uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. So I'm not knocking any players that sit out. Uh, but that being the case, we still do have to plan around that, you know, for fantasy. Um, you know, news came out right after that. It wasn't really even news. I think, uh, I, you know, I, we get the, the notifications from the Fantasy Life app. And I didn't really see who said it. But it basically said Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, you know, in now in position to be the lead back for uh, you know, Kansas City following the, uh, you know, Damian Williams opting out. Um, you know, we've been also talking about uh, DeAndre Washington, who they got from Las Vegas uh, last year. So, you know, which guy are you more interested in drafting, Steve? Uh, you know, I, you've been the one mainly talking about DeAndre Washington and, you know, how good you think he was. Uh, do you think that, you know, he is going to be the, the the first guy to get touches? Uh, no, I do think it's going to be CEH, uh, just with what they said coming out of, you know, or coming out of the Chiefs camp. Uh, it actually is like a, if you really think about it, it's actually a perfect scenario for CEH just because, you know, if the season had begun and Damian Millions was the starter, I think, you know, I do, I do think that, CEH would have been third back. But now that, you know, Williams and, you know, CEH are both basically brand new to this team. They're both brand new players to this team. You know, you mean Washington, Washington, I'm sorry. Uh, Washington are, you know, both brand new to this team. I think, you know, they're all getting ready to start minicamp and all that stuff. So this, they're going to grow together on this team. So, you know, CEH is the guy they drafted in the first round. Um, you know, this kind of seems like, it kind of feels like the, you know, Kareem Hunt situation back when Kareem Hunt got the job. It feels it feels kind of like that. You know what I mean? He was the number two back coming into the season because that's he was, you know, the high draft pick, third round guy. And uh, you know, he ends up taking the job and and running away with it. So, you know, it kind of feels like that same situation with, you know, CEH this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be shooting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up, up my rankings. Uh, I'm going to have to redo them now. I think we both are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to be shooting him up my ranks. You know, it's, it's you know, very eerily similar to when Kareem Hunt just became a monster for, you know, Kansas City a couple years ago. Uh, and, you know, looking at it this year, CEH has the talent. He's, he's obviously more of a pass-catching back, but – he has the size to be a good runner. So, you know, it should be, it, he should be, you know, set to, to, you know, fall into place. There's this, uh, you know, to be the starting running back. And, 
you know, I had Damian Williams as my number 25 running back and CEH is number 31. So like I, I wasn't far apart on them to begin with. So if I'm going to give Clyde Edwards Hilaire most of Damian Williams production, he's probably going to shoot up, you know, probably close to an RB one in my, in my ranks. Yeah. He'll, he'll, you know, he's definitely going to be, you know, I don't know if I have how much more I move him up for me. He's probably going to be a, an RB two. Um, just because I do think Washington's are, Washington is going to get some touches. So, you know, I, I, yeah, probably have him in the teens. Uh, you know, anywhere. They from, also still have the rookies from last year. You have Daryl yeah. Williams at work. Darwin Thompson, who was a guy that everybody a lot of people was, were high on last year. Yeah, yeah everybody thought he was going to be, you know, the next guy to to kind of take over that role last year. And he, you know, I I think that that the fact that Ceh was drafted proves that they weren't really happy with either one of those guys and the addition of DeAndre Washington. So. um you know, and then they also have Elijah McGuire in the that you know, if you remember, was was an old Jets player a couple years ago. Um, so, but yeah, I think Ceh winds up being the guy. I agree. All right, what about that Patriots defense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I that's... mean, Patriots team in, as a whole, but mostly the deal. Like you lose Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, you know, yeah. right off the bat, you're losing your 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 signal caller in the middle linebackers position, Patrick Chung. Getting a little long in the two, so I don't think that hurts them all that much. And and not even just that Patrick Chung, like he really isn't that good of a player. He's a system player. When he came to Philly for that chip Kelly, you know, when chip Kelly brought him here, he wasn't good. He just went back to, to bill Belichick. And I think, you know, they put him in a good position to succeed, but you know, the Patriots defense is obviously taking some hits and, you know, who knows? I, 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 Adam Schefter said, put it out there that he talked to an NFL executive that said, Bill Belichick is masterminding this. So <laughs> could this be Bill's way of tanking <laughs> and trying to get Trevor Lawrence? It definitely could. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick to, to do something, you know, like it, this. It, it, I was going to say, if, if, if all the players, if their de- whole defense say, let's say their whole defense says, all right, we're opting out. We don't want to play this year with COVID-19. Patriots turn around and go 2-14, and 14, even with Cam. Mm-hmm. Can you blame Bill Belichick to say he's, a, he's, he's you know, you're not going to put any kind of blame on Bill Belichick and say, oh, well, Bill Belichick was nothing without Tom Brady. Not if his whole defense bails out. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it kind of gives him an out to tank. And if he goes out and tanks and gets Trevor Lawrence, now we're talking about, you know, a team that could possibly be the real deal once again for 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I agree. I, I just, you know, at this point, I put nothing past Bill Belichick and his desire to win. Uh, the The team has been what is it three separate occasions, either find or losing lose draft picks, you know, or both, um, you know, over the twenty year span of him being the coach. So, you know, uh, if you ain't try, you ain't cheating, you're not trying. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even consider it cheating, honestly. Yeah, no. Uh, it's it's part of the rule. Same thing as you know, Philly did it a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean they were they were tanking to try to get the first pick of the draft for a couple yeah. of years. So it is what it is. Yep. 
right. Any other news that we should talk about? Um, nobody really, you know, uh, uh, Nate Solder opting out for the season for the Giants is is kind of an issue, kind of a big deal. Could put a little hurting on uh, on Saquon. You know, losing his his losing one of his tackles. Uh, you know, anything else? Yeah, honestly, I don't think Nate Solder's all that great. So I don't really know how bad that hurts him. Hurts him a little bit, but you know, if they have a, a anybody, a big body there, I mean, it's basically what Nate Solder was giving him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lane Johnson tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we, you know, we were texting beforehand. Basically said, hey, it's better. It, better if you're going to catch it now. Hopefully, you know, he's te- he tw- tweeted out that he was pretty much asymptomatic and feeling fine. So, you know, if he's if he goes two three weeks and feels a lot better and doesn't show any symptoms and it's not in it, he's you know he's testing negative. You know, glad that he got it out of his system now, and they should have him for the rest of the season. Uh, Lions placed Kenny Galladay and T.J. Hawkinson on the COVID nineteen lists. Uh, the COVID nineteen list does not mean you tested positive. It just means you came could have in came in contact with somebody, or basically it's you have to quarantine because somebody you've been around is tested positive. So a lot of players are going, this is going to happen to a lot of guys and you know, we just got to be prepared for it. Hopefully with a lot of these guys, it happens now and, and doesn't happen too much throughout the season. Yep. I agree. All right. So let's move on to our next topic. We are going to talk about the um, running back handcuffs. We'll rank our, you know, Give our ranking of the handcuffs. Uh, Steve, who do you got? We'll go five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so at five. So, uh, who do you got at five? Who would you have at five? So at five, I have Chase Edmonds. Um, just in the couple of games that Chase Edmonds played last year, he was very, very good. Uh, we saw a couple of games where he broke off some long runs, and then he had that Giants game where he just was an animal. He just went off. So, you know, Chase Edmonds would be a guy that, you know, with Kenyon Drake becoming the, you know, presumed, the presumed, uh, you know, workload guy, you know, I think Chase Edmonds is a guy that I would definitely am going to have a lot of, especially if I have Kenyon Drake. All right. My uh, number five uh, handcuff is Latavius Murray. Uh, Latavius Murray last year, you know, filled in for Kamara for a few games. He was hurt. He was absolutely extraordinary in those two games, caught balls out of the backfield, which he wasn't really known for and did very well rushing. I think he went over a hundred total yards in both games. Um, I think he had three touchdowns too. Uh, but yeah, so Latavius Murray is obviously, obviously a guy who's proven he can be a good running back in the NFL and, you know, behind Kamara, if you draft Kamara, Murray's going to be a guy you definitely want to scra- uh, scoop up. Yep, I'm actually going to go right into my number four because that was my number four. Uh, Latavius Murray, I agree. I think he's definitely a guy that, you know, you have to have if you have Alvin Kamara because we saw last year, you know, I don't expect Alvin to miss games, but it's possible with COVID and, you know, injuries and, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, I think I think this is a breakout, you know, well, I don't want to say breakout because, you know, Alvin Kamara has been great, but I think this is a big, big year for Alvin Kamara, and uh, I would like to have Latavius Murray if I have Alvin. All right. Uh, my number four guy is Philip Lindsay. Uh, Philip Lindsay, we've seen this. This is another guy. He's been extraordinary. 
uh, when he's gotten the opportunity to play. Um, they added Melvin Gordon. Uh, so I, I do think Lindsay's a little bit of a different scenario because I do think Lindsay's going to have a, some sort of role. You know, if you look at what Denver did last year, rushing the football, I believe Lindsay had like 165, 170 attempts, whereas Freeman had like 132 um, and then Freeman had more pass catching work, obviously, because he was a better he was just better in run blocking scenarios. But, you know, I think that Melvin Gordon will probably take the run blocking or I'm sorry, yeah, the, the pass catching from Freeman and then take Lindsay's rushing. So you may get like 170 carries and, and you know, 40 catches for Gordon. But I do think that Lindsay's going to get about 120, 130 rushing t- attempts as well. Uh, but at the same time, if Gordon goes down, Philip Lindsay's going to be a guy you're going to want to get in your lineup immediately. Yep. All right, so I'll go right into my number three. Uh, my number three is actually whoever is not the starter for the Colts. So if, if Marlon Mack is the starter for the Colts, then I'm going to want a whole lot of Jonathan Taylor. And if Jonathan Taylor is deemed the starter in the beginning of the season, I'm going to want to have a whole lot of Marlon Mack, you know, whoever is the guy that they choose to go with in the beginning of the season, I'm going to want to have his handcuff. So, you know, that's my number three, the Colts running back duo. Yeah. The Colts situation is actually interesting because the Colts situation could be one where you start off where you're drafting the, the handcuff before the starter, if that makes yeah. sense. You know what I mean? Like, like Taylor, you're going to have to get in round four and then you could probably grab Mac in round seven or eight. So that's an interesting situation. It's almost like kind of scary to call it a handcuff, but it's definitely a situation where, you know, it, it is a handcuff situation. You know, like if you're grabbing a starter in four and then a, a backup in eight, you know, it really isn't too much different than like I was talking about with Lindsay. You know, I, I do think that the, the Colts guys, one of those guys is going to have about 180 attempts, whereas the other guy might have like 120. Uh, and then you're going to have the thing with them is that you're going to have Heinz thrown in, whereas I don't think you're going to have as much of, you know, um, Roy Freeman thrown in for Denver. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just didn't put, I didn't put the Colts on my list just because I don't know. I, I just felt like Mac, I felt like they were being too drafted too early. That's why I didn't like same thing with Kareem Hunt. Like Mac was to me like last I saw going in like the seventh round, it's just, it's hard for to draft a handcuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Kareem Hunt's the same way. Like Kareem Hunt's can't be viewed as a handcuff because you can't draft a handcuff as a starter. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're basically drafting Kareem Hunt in the sixth round and your sixth round pick is a starting player. So mm, yep. Um, I didn't put Kareem Hunt on mine. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't my, either. Yeah. My number three is actually Chase Edmonds. Um, I just loved what the guy did last year uh, when he got his opportunity. Uh, we know that, you know, Drake is, you know, basically, you know, I, I've actually moved Drake up my rankings because, you know, we've talked about never seeing Drake be the guy. Uh, but I think Arizona is going to give him that chance because if you look at last year, Arizona really didn't use multiple running backs very often. And, you know, another thing that I factored in when I started really thinking about it is they also play with Kyler Murray, who was a running quarterback. And we also know how running quarterbacks are going to factor into, you know, running backs success. You know, like when you got to focus on a running back, we saw with Lamar, we when you got to focus on a running, a quarterback running the football, you know, it, t- it will take attention away from the running back. So um, I- I've moved Kenyon Drake up my ranks 
you know, just because I think he's going to get more of that that work than I originally thought. But if he goes down, Chase Edmonds to me is a stud because, you know, we saw it last year. This guy for three games uh, had a three game stretch where he was like a top five running back for those three weeks. You know, I mean, we saw that what he could really be. So to me, you know, Chase Edmonds is my number three running back. Oh, running back handcuff. Mm, Yep. All right. So it was really hard to figure out which guy I wanted to put at one. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I think we're going to have the same one and two. But okay. Go ahead. So I am actually going to – I'm going to take the – I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, and, that's actually not going to be the same. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins is going to be my number two. Uh, and then my number one, I think, is probably your number one. But, um, yeah, J.K. Dobbins for me, if Mark Ingram were to go down, I think he would definitely be the – Next man up, and I think he's going to get a lot of work on the best running team in football. So, you know, J.K. Dobbins, and, and you know, I don't not want to bank on Mark Ingram getting hurt because, you know, I just think Mark Ingram is super solid. And, you know, at this point in his career, he's been able to keep himself relatively healthy. You know, in the beginning of his career, he was kind of injury prone. And then he, you know, over the past five years, he's been, he's been pretty studly. I mean, missing just a couple games. So, for me, J.K. Dobbins, if something were to happen to Mark Mark Ingram, I think J.K. Dobbins could be very, very, very good. So uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to be my number two. J.K. Dobbins was actually my number six. He was like, I was looking at him and um, Latavius Murray, and the reason I gave Murray the nod was just because, you know, Mur- I've seen Murray do it. You know, I do think Dobbins could be a monster if Ingram goes down, but – Ingram really don't go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, you know, he missed four games, obviously, because of that suspension a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But injury-wise, like, Mark Ingram really hasn't been injured. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's kind of why I just didn't throw Dobbins in there. Uh, my number two is actually going to be Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony Pollard behind Zeke. I mean, this guy, you know, Steve talked him up a couple weeks ago. Like, this guy could actually be a good draft pick if you see, like, a week where the Cowboys are playing the Dolphins and you know the Cowboys are going to are going to beat up on them you can throw Tony Pollard in your flex if you need to because he's liable to go out there and get 11 carries for 87 yards and two touchdowns you know just in the middle of the third quarter out <laughs> you know he did it last year a couple times uh Steve pointed that out so you know, Tony Pollard to me, and if Zeke goes down, you know, I see this guy as a, you know, definitely a dude who, who if he's getting 15 to 20 carries, will be a stud. So, to me, Tony Pollard is my number two. Yeah, actually, Tony Pollard did not make my top five. The only reason he didn't make my top five is because Zeke already got COVID. So, uh, you know, okay. we have not had, you know, repeat we that we know of. We don't have, you know, people who have gotten COVID twice. So, I think I did see one person in Colorado, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. So, you know, for me, I think since v- Zeke has already had COVID and he's over it already, you know, I'm not really worried about him missing time due to COVID. And we all know Ezekiel Elliott is just the pillar of health when it comes to the running back position. Now, 
you know, like I said, he gets a crazy workload for the past five years and this year is not going to change. So maybe, you know, maybe he does get finally banged up and, and whatever. So I could definitely, if Tony Pollard, you know, gets that role, he's going to be amazing. But, you know, just due to the COVID situation, I didn't put him on my list. So I think everybody knows the number one. I think me and Kev agree that it's Alexander Madison uh, nope. with the Minnesota Vikings. It's just, you know, if, if something happens to Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison is going to get a huge workload and you know for me that's a guy that i definitely have to have on my fantasy team if i especially if i have dalvin cook to me if i have dalvin cook you almost if you don't take alexander madison it, you're you're kind of screwing yourself because cal dalvin cook has not been like a guy who has been able to stay healthy for 16 games in any game of his career in any season of his career so you know definitely have to go with alexander madison at one Yep, I have the same thing. Alexander Madison at one. Uh, I was a hundred percent, you know, because I've been another guy. I've been a guy saying that I thought this was going to happen the whole time. I'm a hundred percent, you know, happy to see Dalvin Cook showed up yesterday to training camp on time. You know, he came in and and took the COVID nineteen test and showed up ready to go. You know, Mike Zimmer, I think, juiced him up a little bit. Told him he was going to be the captain of the team, and you know, Dalvin Cook reported on time, just like you know, I I've been saying he was because it's so hard nowadays to hold out. Like their money situation is just, you know, you're losing fifty thousand dollars every practice, and then on top, and they can't pay that fine like the team can't pay that fine anymore so it's now like on you to pay it and on top of that you know if you sit out more than i think five training camp days you can lose a season of a season of of play so you know it's something like that but you know dalvin cook reports on time like i thought he would and you know i'm really excited for dalvin cook going into this year with gary kubiak running the offense we know what that system is and so if Alexander Madison does have to play in Dalvin Cook's place for any reason, we know Dalvin Cook is very injury prone, has been for the last three years. Alexander Madison will be a monster. And he's another guy that you could probably throw in your flex spot on weeks where, you know, if, if they got to play, say, the Green Bay Packers, whose rush defense was horrendous last year, you know, Cook could go for a buck 75 and Madison could go for 85 and a touchdown and, you know, fill in in your flex. It's not that unrealistic if, you know, they're playing a bad running team because they are going to run the ball a lot in Minnesota. Mm, yes, sir. My honorable mentions are definitely Tony Pollard and Zach Moss. Yep. Uh, I like both of those guys too, but, you know, we had to do a top five. So it is what it is. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins was my number six. Uh, so, you know, that was that was kind of my guy. And obviously, like, two guys I, I you know, I didn't – like, Marlon Mack, you brought up Marlon Mack. I, I, I would say Marlon Mack's a handcuff just because he's getting drafted later, but I think he's going to be the starter. Uh, you know, obviously that situation and the Lions situation right now, Carrion, Carrion is actually, like – being drafted strictly as a handcuff like he's being drafted in like the ninth round right now yep. i he to me he's one of the best values in the draft because i think carry on could honestly be the starter and you're going to get him in the ninth round oh, uh yes, but to me you know carry on is another guy i think is is one of the better handcuffs in the and is you know but 
like I said, I just don't know if he's going to be the handcuff. Same thing with Marlon Mack. I don't know if he's going to be the handcuff. I think both of those guys could be the starter. And if you're drafting Taylor or Swift in the fourth and fifth round to be the handcuff, that could be a little bit of tr- little bit troublesome. All right, so let's go into some wide receiver friendship strategies. I know one right off the bat that sticks out in my head, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure you do too, uh, but it's Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm. I think if you have Kenny Galladay and you grab Mar- Marvin Jones, I think you're very set at that spot because we know that Kenny Galladay is going to be a beast when he's on the field with Matthew Stafford is playing. And if Kenny Galladay goes down for any reason, Marvin Jones is going to be a beast <laughs> because that's just what Matthew Stafford does. He locks into one target for a game and, you know, like – the way I kind of point out what happens with Detroit is like every three games out of every four games, you're going to get three Galladay games and one Jones game. So if Galladay goes down, you're liable to see like three Jones game and then like a Hawkinson game or something like that. But to me, like this is one of the better friendship strategies uh, to, that you can pick up. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be using both Lions wide receivers, but Jones is definitely an option, you know, at flex or in, in bye weeks as well. So, yeah, to me, this is this is the best one, in my opinion. Yeah, I like I like that one. That's a good one. Um, there's a to me, there's a couple. You know what I mean? Like you have the Dallas Cowboys situation where, you know, if any two of the top two guys go down, you know, CeeDee Lamb becomes the either, you know, the number one or the number two guy. You know, let's say Amari Cooper goes down and they keep Michael Gallup, you know, playing that, you know, right side and they move, you know, CeeDee Lamb to, you know, the the X role in, in this wide receiver call. I could definitely see, you know, CeeDee Lamb taking over that role and being great. So, you know, however you mix match these three guys, I think they're all very capable of being great guys, you know, to be number ones or twos on their team. Yeah, honestly, in that situation, like, I would love to draft Gallup and Lamb. Like, I don't like Amari Cooper because his value is too high, and I feel like, you know, as good as he can be, he just never lives up to it on a week-to-week basis. You know, we've talked about it. Like, Michael Gallup's numbers were very similar to Amari Cooper's. So if you could get Gallup and Lamb and one of those guys, like, let's let's, let's say Amari Cooper goes down and you have Gallup and Lamb. Mm-hmm. you're like in a prime position in that, in, in that spot. So yeah, that's one of my, that's probably my, you know, one of my favorites as well. Like I like Galladay and Jones, but drafting Gallup and lamb specifically, like just because I don't draft Amari Cooper where he gets drafted, you know what I mean? Gallup and lamb to me is definitely, you know, one I would be good with picking. Yeah. There's, there's like three more that I really like. So, you know, the three that I, you know, we already know with, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, Juju, Deontay and James Washington, you know, I I think they're they're If Washington has to come in, I think he's capable after what he showed last year, especially big Ben stays healthy. Um, You know, I actually think Washington is like a a sleeper. Like, you know, more I've thought about it. He actually led the team in receiving last year and everybody's so high on Deontay Johnson, but. Dude, like Washington could be like a sleeper guy that that could be like a downfield threat. I think the the thing that's knocking him down is that they drafted Chase Claypool, who's mm-hmm. kind of like a bigger version of that. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. So, you know, I like that. And then, you know, the New York Giants situation, obviously. I mean, you got Darius Slayton, you know, Alsh- I mean, uh, uh, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. Those three guys, you know, I think they're interchangeable. You know what I mean? Obviously, Golden Tate will play the slot. But if, let's say, Darius Slayton loses time, you know what I mean? I think he'll take over for him. And if Sterling Shepard loses time, I think he'll take over him. You know, vice versa, all three ways. So, you yeah. know, that's, that's a that's a wide receiver core that I, I actually – really like and then that's a really good one yeah there's i mean and like i said there's a there's a couple here like even the la chargers i mean the la i'm sorry la raiders i mean they got vegas raiders las vegas raiders yes i'm very sorry you got rugs terrell williams and hunter or hunter renfro you know i mean those three guys i like i like those three guys too you know, looking... of, and and those are late draft picks that you can take so exactly you're not really like you can you can roster rugs and renfro and you know, one of those guys, like, you know, Williams as well, but Williams ain't even being drafted. So, like, you could draft Ruggs and Renfro, and if Williams blows up, you could go pick up Williams and drop one of the other guys. You can, you know, there's so many ways you can use that one. Yeah, definitely. And then my personal favorite of, of all of them, you know what I mean? There's, I can tell, give you a couple of few more, so I'll do that. But I was going to say, I was going to say, I actually found one that I like more, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple here that I really like uh still on the board but you know if i'm gonna say like my favorite one it's gonna be the chiefs it's gonna be Tariq yeah, Hill. Re- you know I mean? yeah that's Mahone the one i was and, thinking and Sammy. that's yeah. probably my second right yeah. behind galladay and jones yeah. is you draft reek you should definitely draft hardman just because yep. when reek was out last year hardman stepped up in a big way you know mm-hmm. what i mean and with a year under his belt i think he's gonna be better so yeah i i'm 100 with you i think that's a great friendship strategy yep and then the last, I'll give, I guess I'll give two more because I see two more that I like here. Uh, but another one that I like is the Rams. I mean, you got Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds. I mean, Josh has showed, you know, I don't think he's a great receiver, but with, you know, if one of those two guys goes down, you know, what I mean, he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to have. So, you know, it, and if Cooper Cup is the number one main target or Robert Woods is the number one main target for the Rams because one of the other go, one goes down, you know, what I mean, you're going to want to have, you know, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods or, you know, Josh Reynolds on your team because they're, you know, they're a team that throws the ball a lot. You know, I mean, especially now this year, you know, I told you guys about their schedule and, you know, how hard it is for against the, the run and their offensive line is just not very good at, you know, run blocking. So I could see this team throwing a lot this year. So, you know, to me, Josh Reynolds is, is a guy that, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to have on, on a bunch of teams super late. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple more that I'll throw out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I think the Dolphins isn't a bad one uh, with Parker and Preston Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's probably not – the best one to throw out because we don't, you know, if, if mainly if Tua gets in there, you know, you don't know how they're going to run the offense and you don't know what you're going to see, but just based off draft position, you know, you could, you could probably get Devontae Parker in the sixth round and then get Williams in the, in the double digits and know that you're going to get a, one of those guys is going to produce, um, you know, same thing with the Broncos with Sutton and Judy. You know, I, I don't think that's a bad one either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sutton was, is clearly going to be the guy to start off. But if you, you know, if he goes down for some reason, Jerry Judy can step in and, and you know, they're different players. But I do think that, 
you know, things will change with Sutton not being in there. They'll start to, to use Judy a little better. So I do think that one's a good one. And there was one more I was looking at. All right. All right. And the, the I got a, the two more I'll just throw out there. I think DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel ain't a bad one. Mm-hmm. And I think that Stefan Diggs and John Brown is not a bad one either. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually looking at that. There's a I, lot. There's actually a lot of them because yeah. he's like, you know, guys are just it's it's very coincidental that guys are just drafted, you know, eight rounds later behind, you know, the number one, the number two gets drafted. So, you know, if you have a guy like John Brown, we saw him be very I mean, John Brown was like the number 17 receiver in, in PPR last year, I think, when it was all said and done. No, I think he was uh, 18 in PPR and then 19 18? in, in – no, actually, he was 19 in PPR, 18 in non-PPR. Okay, so there you go. Like, you're you're looking at a, RB, uh, a wide receiver two if Stefan Diggs goes down, mm-hmm. and you know that. He did it last year. It's not like you're you're coming in and saying, oh, well, I hope he does this. Like, you're, it's something that you can expect because you've seen it before, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, uh, like I said, like we said with 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 Hill and Hardman, you know, Hardman may, isn't as good as Tyreek Hill, obviously, but you know that he's going to give you consistent production if, if Tyreek Hill goes down because we saw it happen last year. So with some of these guys, you've seen it happen already. And so I think it makes it, you know, very, you know, very, very, very worth, uh, very worthwhile to to wind up doing. Yeah. Yep. And one last one that actually lot, I just saw that I was going to say it's actually that's a lot more than I thought there would be, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually one that I'm looking at right now that I was like, Hmm, we didn't say that one, but DJ Chark, DD Westbrook and LaVisca Chanel, all three of those yeah. guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's say, let's say DD goes down. Cause we all know DD could go down you know, at any time. Then we got, you know, DJ Chark. Hopefully he never goes down, but if he does, I mean, these guys after, after our, our discussions the other day, I hope he never goes down. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. So, you know, it's it definitely, I like that situation, you know, and the last one that I'll say is, is Will Fuller and Brandon cooks. You know, if either one yeah. of those guys goes down, you know, yeah. that's, that's they're one of those guys going to be in for a huge workload, you know, and if yeah. both of those guys go down, Randall Cobb might might mess around and be a top twenty four wide receiver. Might be a league winner. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Randall Cobb could be a league winner this year. For real. So, you know, there's a couple of situations that I actually like. Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, you know, that's another one. It's it's just so many. It's, yeah, it's actually a lot more than crazy. I thought. I mean, I, I was looking at that one and I just was like, eh, you know, they're they're being drafted really close to each other, but yeah. I mean, they're also being drafted in like the the fifth or sixth round for AJ Green and then the seventh or eighth round for Boyd. So if you can get both of those guys, you know you're getting you know, at least one thousand yard receiver. Tyler Boyd's been a thousand yard receiver the last two years. So, yep. and a you know, if you want to if you want to take the 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 throw of the dice really super late, John Ross. You know what I mean? One of those guys goes yeah. down. John Ross could end up being a a guy yeah. that really helps you out. Or T Higgins. Or T Higgins. Whichever one of those guys we find out is the uh, number three guy. All right, and I'm going to throw this out there because I did it today. There's only one, I think there's only one in my mind that I can think of, maybe two, but there's really one tight end friendship strategy, and oh, that yeah. is the Got Philadelphia it. Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you can draft Ertz, it's not a bad idea to draft Goddard, just yeah. to have him, because if Ertz goes down, you have a top five tight end. Yeah. Right? I, the Rams are the only other one that I would, I would, yeah, I could yeah. think, like I can think off the top of my head. 
I didn't even think about that one. Uh, and, and I was going to say the Bucks could be another. If you draft Gronk, yeah. you could yeah, draft O.J. Howard. But then again, O.J. Howard shit the bed completely last year. So, yeah. If God, may not but be Goddard is – yeah, Goddard is – if Zach Ertz goes down, Dallas Goddard is a top five, four tight end. It, yeah. it just it, it is what it is. He's going to be amazing if if that happens. Dude, but last year Zach Ertz, if you remember last year, Zach Ertz took a shot in the Dallas game on yeah. an overthrown pass. Yeah, and he was kind of hobbled for the rest of the game and kind of I think took himself out like midway through the third quarter, um, and then he missed week seventeen. Yeah. In those two games, Goddard got twenty two targets, had thirteen catches. For 157 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So like you're talking be... about over two games, you're talking about like a guy getting six and a half catches for 75 yards and, you know, possibly getting in the end zone. Like tight ends just don't do that right now. Yeah, <laughs> so no, not at all. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, for me, that is the end all be all. If you have Zach Ertz, you know, I'm drafting Dallas Goddard. That's just going to happen. I mean, like I actually, I think I did that the other day when we did the mock draft. Didn't I do that? I'm pretty sure I did. I took you might have Zach Ertz, and then you, I took Dallas yeah. Goddard, like one of the last picks. But you know, it's just you know, it's one of those things. There, there's not too many you know tight end handcuffs. But you know, the ones that I do want is you know, like I said, you know, the Rams guys, the the Eagles guys. You know, maybe like if I'm if I'm really trying to find one, you know, like the Minnesota Vikings guys because I know if, you know, Kyle Rudolph goes down, then Irv Smith, yeah, you know, I think is a really athletic guy that could that could, you know, have a really yeah, big there's season. There's just nobody's paid, nobody's drafting the Vikings. Exactly. Guy. So, and, you know, so it's, it's like, not really there's not really just anybody else, you know what I mean? It's it's Everett for Higby and then Earth yeah. for Goddard and then yep. you know, OJ Maybe Howard Gronk. for Gronk. Yeah, and we also with OJ Howard was last year, so you know I don't I'm you know basically, nobody's really going to get excited. <laughs> exactly, so you know it is what it is, guys. All right, where are we at time wise, Steve? You got time for a couple questions? Yeah, we're at forty one minutes, so let's do uh, let's do three questions real quick. All right, so All right. three of your guys' question. All right, so our first question comes from Zoro seven seven. I was offered Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, and pick three overall in the rookie draft for Nick Chubb. Do I take it? No. <laughs> in Dynasty, Nick Chubb is basically untradeable almost. You'd have to get a lot more than Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen. Don't get me wrong. I love Keenan Allen. He's probably going to be good for another five years. But Melvin Gordon might be good for another two. And the number three overall pick on the in the rookie draft you know, you don't know, like, it. you are not guaranteed that your third pick in the overall rookie draft is going to be a home run. I mean, it could be a guy that, you know, you are so high on, Jerry Judy or, or whoever it is, uh, you know, one of the running backs that you're so high on, you know, J.K. Dobbins, and then they just don't come to fruition. You already know Nick Chubb is an absolute animal. Like, he's an absolute animal, and he's 24. Like... He's going to be good for the at least at least the next five years. So no, you don't do this. Um, I want to know more about your team for me to say like absolutely no because. All right, so if you have our let's say you know because of dynasty situations, you know this guy could very well have Saquon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if you have a running back like Saquon, well, Saquon already, and Nick Chubb came out the same year, so he probably doesn't have that. Uh, he probably doesn't have. Saquon, yeah, he probably doesn't so. have that. Let's but, say, uh, let's say, let's say Zeke. Let's say okay, Zeke. Zeke. Yeah, Zeke. Uh, so if you have Zeke and you need wide receiver help, this ain't a bad trade to take. Because I actually think I would try to trade Zeke and get wide receiver help. I, I, Nick exactly. Chubb. I think I think that's what I would probably do yeah. as well. I would trade Zeke before I traded Chubb. And, and then on top of that, you can get more when what you're getting right now. But at three, you're usually getting J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor. And I think both of those guys are going to be absolute or C.E.H. That's like you're getting yeah. one of those three guys. Yeah. And I think all three of those guys could be studs especially Dobbins in that system mm-hmm. I think Taylor is the best running back in this draft mm-hmm. and then CEH in that system like you're getting one of those three guys so that on top of you know getting Gordon for a couple years and you know Keenan Allen who's a guy that I haven't really been high on because I'm, I don't like his quarterback situation but you know Steve likes him if you're looking for wide receiver help you know like Steve said I would probably look to move Zeke because Zeke's older and has had a lot more wear and tear than Chubb in his first couple years. So, and if you could, you know, if you could trade Zeke and get, you know, Melvin Gordon and, and instead of, uh, of, of Keenan Allen, maybe you're able to pull in, you know, a guy like, you know, Calvin Ridley, you know, somebody like that that's younger and, and, you know, could project to be, have a huge year. And then, you know, get that same number three pick, you know, I think you're in a really good spot there just because I think, I don't think I do agree that that number three overall pick is hit or miss with pretty much everybody. But I think all three of those guys are going to be home runs. I really do. Like I think Taylor CH and Dobbins are all home runs given their, their situations. You know what I mean? So I might do it if I needed receiver help. And like, and this also like, yeah, if I need a receiver help, that pretty much what it comes down to, because I'm not going to, I'm not going to give away Chubb for an aging running back and a potential home run if I don't need to. But if I need needed somebody to be like a good wide receiver too for me, yeah, I would probably do it uh, just to add, you know, you're adding running back depth. You're getting, like I said, I think one of those guys, all three of those guys are going to be home runs. So you know, this is something I probably would consider. All right. So our second question comes from Newton. He says, uh, what would your draft strategy be for a 12-team PPR league? He says, of course, your draft spots differ, but if you can help with the general strategy, I'd be grateful. Also, if you, have, if you do have a do-not-draft list, uh, he would love to have that too. So thanks for the advice. Anyway. So, I do not do do not draft Actually, lists. I'll do this question. This is either. Yeah, yeah. This is. This yeah, is one... I mean, I don't think anybody does. Do... Analysts don't really do do not draft lists. It's all about because because I'll draft anybody. It's all about exactly. where I'm drafting him. You know what I mean? Like like I just said, I'm not big on Keenan Allen. But if I see Keenan Allen sitting there in the sixth round, I'd be stupid not to take him. So <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? Like it, it, I don't have a do not draft list. It's more of just you know. It's more of like where players are being drafted. I'm probably not going to wind up with them on my team, like Austin Eckler. I'm not. I don't really like Austin Eckler going into this year. He's not really a guy. You know, he's a guy going in the second round that I'm not willing to take until you know, probably around the the middle of the third or you know start of the fourth. So, 
you know, that's kind of just my thing with, with a guy like that. But if he's sitting there in the middle of the third, I'll take him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I just well, don't think it's good good strategy period to have a do not draft list. I think it all depends on how the draft goes. I mean, just, you know, how the draft comes to you. Because you saw the other day, Juju Smith, you know, which will never happen, but he came to me in like, what, round seven? Yeah. I mean, Juju Smith was sitting there on the board. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, not taking was... Juju in the, the beginning of the third, but I'm going to take Juju in the middle to end of the third. And anywhere after, I'm taking Juju. So... You know, to get him that late, I mean, I'd be retarded to be like, no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking Juju ever. Juju will never be on my team. Like that's that's not even, that's not even a thing. Um, and you know, as he far also- as strategy goes, like I think, like like Steve said, you got to let the draft come to you. You know, it's all about where you have players ranked, and then as you know, like. For instance, you know, if you draft in the top five picks, you're going to probably wind up with one of the top five running backs right off the bat. Like you, I, I wouldn't draft Michael Thomas before I took one of those top five running backs, even in PPR leagues. You know, I just think that getting one of those top five running backs is too valuable. Um, after that, I would go Thomas and, and Devontae Adams. So, like, you know, if you're drafting one through five, you typically wind up getting one of those running backs, and then you wind up, you know, if you're lucky, you wind up getting a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle fall to you at the back of the second round. And then maybe you load up on receivers. Whereas if you're in the back end of the first round, you might get one of those two, you might get two of those running backs that fall to you like Josh Jacobs. Like I did the other day with um, Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs were my two running backs, and I had the number nine pick. Um, so it's all about letting the draft fall to you, you know, drafting the guys where you have, you know, kind of where you have them and, and kind of just sticking to your gut on players. I think too many, too many fantasy players rely too much on the paper. You know what I mean? Instead of just going by their own heart and their own feelings. You know what I mean? If you have a gut feeling on a guy, don't be afraid to draft them. Even if it's way before somebody else would draft them, even if they're going to clown you for drafting them. I mean, it's like, I remember I had a friend that, you know, drafted Ocho Cinco in like the sixth round when he was with Tom Brady, when he went to new England for that year. And, and everybody was like, it's like at the time, Ocho Cinco wasn't even being drafted. I don't think in that draft because, or, or he was being like a double digit draft because, you know, people thought that, People didn't think, you know, he, he was kind of at the tail end of his career, wasn't really that good. He came into camp late, but he took a shot on him. And, you know, he got mocked forever, and it didn't pan out. But you know what? He stuck to his gut. And that's that's one of the things I will say. Like, don't always just look at the sheet and just scratch it off and draft the next name. You know, use your gut and your heart on players and how you really feel. Mm, definitely. I agree with that. Uh, you know. I don't have too much to add to that. I just I think that when you're drafting for fantasy football, uh, the two things that I keep in my head is I like to draft players that I like. You know what I mean? I don't like drafting players that I, on teams that I hate uh, just because, for me, that's not fun. You know, I'm not going to draft Tom Brady on almost any of my fan, fantasy teams because I'm a Bills fan and I just don't want to root for Tom Brady. <laughs> so, you know, that is that bad strategy? Yes, it is bad strategy, you know, when it comes to your your overall strategy. But, you know, for me, it's also a fun factor in fantasy football. And, 
you know, I think I draft good enough teams, you know, that I don't have to take certain players. And do I take Tom Brady? Yeah, I've had Tom Brady on fantasy teams, but, you know, he's like, he's dropped to me in, you know, rounds where I feel like, okay, he's the best value here. I'm going to take him. So I don't refrain from picking guys, but I also like to root for certain players and I like them on my fantasy team. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how I draft. Um, I also I take eight draft. Cowboys and I hate <laughs> drafting. Yeah, I hate yep. drafting NFC East players. I but, will draft Saquon and Zeke and yes. be like, "Hey, I had to do what I had to do." <laughs> but outside of that, I, I always look at Dak and I'm like, <laughs> "But you know, what I, mean? like, I always look at, at some Dak. point you have to take him because yeah. he's the best value on the board." But you know, for me. I like to have fun on Sunday. I don't want to sit there and, and be like, oh, my God, I want the I want the Patriots to lose, but I need Tom Brady to have 303 touchdowns. Like, no, I just you – know, for me, that's not that's not fun. Uh, and the other well, thing – this, this year may not be a bad thing. Exactly. This year I'm cool <laughs> with it. Tom Brady can throw a million touchdowns. He's not in the he's not in my division, so I could care less what he does. You know, I'll yeah. be drafting Tom Brady probably this, uh, this year. Not a bunch, but, you know, I'll probably but have him. can't draft teams. Cam. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Cam, Cam is not going to be on any of my teams. But, uh, you know, he was on my mock draft team the other day, but yeah, that just was. ended up – it was a two-QB league that we were doing. So, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Uh, and then my, you know, my final strategy that I would say, you know, that I definitely make sure is beginning rounds. I go, you know, I would say moderately, I would, I, I jump on players that I really like, you know what I mean? Like if I think they're going to have a big year, I will take, you know, I will take some risks. Uh, but if I take risks early, I will take safe later. And if I take safe early, I will take risks later. So it all depends on how the first couple of rounds go for me on how my rest of my draft is going to be. So let's say in the first round, you know, I take a shot on Aaron Jones at seven because he's not the seventh guy off the board. Right. But I feel strongly that he's going to have another good season. You know, let's say that was the case, you know, for me in round six or seven, I'm going to take, you know, a wide receiver that's super safe, you know, like your, you know, uh, Marvin Jones is and you know just the guys that I know are going to be very good you know solid players for me to get me some points you know I mean because I took some risks early in the draft as where if I go super safe in the beginning of the draft you know I'm going for Deshaun Jackson in the eighth round and I'm going for you know Marquise Brown in the ninth round you know I'm, I'm doing all of those things to back up my you know risk reward you know to to bump it up so you know that's that's kind of how I draft all right. I think we kind of wrapped it up there. I mean, that was actually a good question to end on, and we actually finished with a long explanation yeah. on that one. So. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. So we'll uh, check out for the night. Uh, remember, check out the website, www.cheatcodesports.com. That's www.cheatcodesports.com. We have rankings. We have articles weekly. We have the cheat codes on that player profile PDF packet. Um, and until next time, peace out, guys. Peace.